The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? Uh, okay, I guess. You know, I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. Yeah, things have significantly slowed. We're bat now a week past the draft. We've now seen the first bits of rookie minicamp, which we are not going to talk about. Neither one of us were there. To be honest, neither one of us really care. <laughs> In like the best way, there's only so much you can really take from rookie minicamp and dissecting play-by-play of, of anyone during that time. It just... We don't need to do that. There, there's no use for it. But now that the draft is is over, those rookies are in and on the roster, and there's undrafted free agents and a couple other signings. We kind of see what the Giants roster now looks like, and we can see that while the Giants did make some strides at some positions, we'll say corner, and they've spent a significant amount of time trying to upgrade corner. That was what a lot of the draft was, but there are still maybe a couple holes on this roster and maybe ones that surprisingly did not really get addressed in the draft. And we're going to talk about, I think, the two biggest holes that are still on this roster, why they're still the biggest holes, and if anything can be done to fix them. So we are going to then start with probably what is easily the biggest hole and maybe the biggest surprise of something they didn't fix in the draft or through free agency before that, and that's right tackle. Yeah, you know, I don't think we're kind of making any bold statements or shocking revelations when we say that Chad Wheeler was not great last year. And I think pretty much everybody expected, I know I expected, the Giants to just go out and spend what cap space they had upgrading the right tackle position. And that just didn't happen. And then I think everybody pretty much expected them to spend one of their first three draft picks on a right tackle because this was a good offensive tackle class and some of the best guys have experience at right tackle. So that just made sense and they didn't do that either. 
Yeah, it was a tough situation, really, just from the start of last season. So Chad Wheeler, undrafted free agent, was not supposed to be the starter at right tackle. Uh, that was supposed to be Eric Flowers, which was probably not a great plan to begin with, but we don't have to get into that plan. So, I mean, Flowers was supposed to be the starting right tackle. He was bad, was benched, eventually released, and Wheeler came in. We remember he had his first start against J.J. Watt, mostly against Houston, and that did not go very well. The rest of the season was not that bad for Wheeler, but it was still significantly below average when looking league-wide at right tackles. So that continually was a problem, even as kind of the rest of the offensive line during this season started to shore up a little bit. You saw Nate Solder was off to a rough start. It got better as the season went on at left tackle. Will Hernandez, a rookie at left guard, he improved. The center was never really figured out because of all the injuries, but that wasn't a huge problem, although that could still probably still be upgraded. Right guard got a little better when Jamon Brown came in, but he still wasn't great. I think just upgrade to like slightly below average was huge there when Brown came in, and that's why it seemed like such a significant improvement. But Wheeler kind of on his own on right tackle was still not great, and he is now still projected to be the starter because really no competition was brought in. We can talk about Asafo Ajayi, who was drafted in the seventh round. The Giants seem to be pretty high on him, but we shouldn't be expecting a seventh rounder to just come in and compete either. Um, so when you look at the draft, I mean, we saw where the Giants went in the first round. So once you kind of got past that, and then they didn't have a, the second round pick after trading up for DeAndre Baker, and that was kind of the sweet spot for tackles who could probably make an impact. And then in the third round, they had to go edge because that's one of the other positions we're going to talk about. Offensive tackle in the free agent market wasn't super great either. You know, Trent Brown got paid a crap load of money to go to Oakland. And then once you like get past that, there was not a lot of great options. And so the Giants, I'm not sure how many great options they have here. I think we've heard them connected to Michael Remmers, the former Panther and Viking. So he's played under Dave Gettleman. He's played under Pat Shermer. There's the connection there. He is still not 100% from an injury. And that's why he hasn't signed yet. So the Giants are monitoring his progress, but a 30-year-old tackle who struggled at guard last year and is now coming back from a back injury, that wouldn't make me very hopeful that he's going to make an immediate impact, but he seems to be the top option the Giants are looking at if there is another option to replace or even compete with Wheeler. Yeah, and there there is the argument floating around that he was bad at guard, but that's kind of okay because guard is not his natural position, that he's a natural right tackle and would be better there. And he still wasn't really great at right tackle. And that was two years ago was the last time he played the position and he has had back surgery since then. So I don't know. Back surgery is one of those things that kind of worries me. Even if you are back 100%, you're still not back 100%, if that makes any sense. it The back is complicated, and it takes a while to get right. 
Absolutely, and you can see with some of his struggles last year, so per Sports Info Solutions, he had a 2.81 blown block rate, which was 62nd among tackles with at least 500 snaps. And he's looped in with tackles in that leaderboard, but he played mostly guard. And you can say he was playing at a position, but blown block rates are usually much lower at guard than they are at tackle. So for him to struggle that much at guard is either uh, he's not a good guard so you shouldn't be using his versatility as a positive of why he should be signed if he's not a good guard at all and that was in just under a thousand snaps and in 2017 he still had a 2.39 blown block rate uh, on 629 snaps and that was when he was at tackle so that's always slightly better than what Chad Wheeler did last year which is a blown block rate of 2.47 percent which was 51st uh, among qualified tackles so all of that is is not great so I would have some concerns bringing Remmers in but I think there are some other options that are still out there and I, I have two right away and none of these are going to really spark a lot of confidence as like a long-term plan but if you're bringing in already a 30 year old in remmers it doesn't really matter how old these guys are if they might just be better as tackles one is jeremy parnell who spent a decent amount of time with dallas and then went to jacksonville and then was released after having you know a decent season i think he was just kind of a cap casualty there so his blown block rate was only 1.2 percent last year which was 16th and that was on 834 snaps he's going to be 33 this season but like i just said if the guys you're already thinking about bringing in are not really going to be the long-term solution. I'm not sure what the difference is between a 30-year-old right tackle and a 33-year-old right tackle who is better. Either way, you still have to figure out the future of right tackle. But with bringing in Parnell, I would think you would have just a little more ability and that gives you a little more leverage to then figure out what is going to eventually happen at right tackle and then the other guy is a guy I've, I've talked about quite a bit I wrote about him in, in the top free agents a long time ago I'm pretty sure I brought him up during some of our free agent podcasts and that's Joe Barksdale he had a an up and down in 2018 uh, he was released by the Chargers but he was picked up by Arizona because of how desperate they were at tackle and all along the offensive line he came in and played really well so he was claimed and like seven days later was starting for Arizona at right tackle and he just had a 1.1% blown block rate if that was only on 367 snaps he's gonna be 30 years old but again someone who has shown he's able to hold up in blocking and that passing and run blocking combined in these blown block rates so I think Parnell and Barksdale both have higher upside than Remmers does who one has not been great two coming off an injury so those two guys I would greatly prefer over the possibility of bringing in Remmers and I would prefer both of them over putting Chad Wheeler out there for another year yeah and one more name that kind of stands out to me is Byron Bell, he's been with the Cowboys, he's been with the Packers. He's another guy who's coming off an injury, but he at least has experience and wasn't terrible, at least from what I've seen and remember when he was on the field. But I think yeah, definitely getting, even though they're 30, 33 years old, getting one of these guys would at least give the Giants a little bit of time. Just 
time to find out what they have in George Asafo Ajayi or just kick the can down the road one more year and maybe find a long-term answer in either next year's free agency or in next year's draft. Yeah, and you can look at next year's draft, and apparently from those who have looked at it, and again, we never know, uh, it's not super stacked at offensive line, so that might be a problem. I think if you look at... And then when you look at free agency next year, there are you know some bigger names, but we don't know if any of those guys are going to hit the market. I mean, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Anthony Constanzo, I mean, Joe Staley, all of these guys are, they're well into their 30s. You have like Kelvin Beecham, Well Collins, none of these guys are going to be young and hitting free agency. And that's the kind of uh, the problem. So you, you're not always going to have those options. So I think for right now, getting as good as you can along the offensive line is something you know you need to do, especially for a team that stressed so much how important the offensive line and having a good offensive line is for the quarterback and for the running back you know, to still be this far into the offseason and having Chad Wheeler as the starting right tackle, the basically uncontested, and that seems like a very big flaw in roster planning to me. Yeah, I would also add center to that because I'm still not convinced that the Giants have a real long-term starting center. I'd like to see John Jalapio take some steps forwards, especially with his hand usage. And by that, I mean consistently use them. But, you know, he's a journeyman guard before he switched to center and they decided to just roll with him. Spencer Pulley was not great. Evan Brown is athletic and an undrafted free agent last year and now you know they just brought on James O'Hagan out of Buffalo as an undrafted free agent this year so I'm not writing the position off but I'm not super confident in their options at least not yet yeah, it's just, it's a tough place to be in right now. They didn't have a lot of options at the beginning of the offseason, although just going to average, they wouldn't have had to make it that big of a jump to just, just going from average to where they were in 2018 would have been a significant upgrade, and that would have helped a lot, but now they have even fewer options as they go forward into the 2019 season, and as much as they've worked to redo the offensive line and Solder was better at the second half of the season, uh, you, you've you worked for that left side of the line. You worked with, you upgraded right guard also with Kevin Zeitler. But if right tackle is still like a glaring hole, that stuff doesn't really matter if the opposing defense can just put their best guy over the right tackle. And so many teams do that now, either just putting their best guy over the right tackle or moving their best guys around. The best guys just don't go over the left tackle to go on the blind side anymore. That just, that doesn't happen. So when you have defensive 
pass rushers who can move around, if you're just putting someone who is going to possibly just blow up Chad Wheeler, that's not going to help you. So either you have to you know, keep a tight end in and that takes away a possible receiving option. You have to keep a running back in, which if it's Barkley on the field, takes away probably the most likely receiving option on a given play. And that starts to hamstring your offense. So still looking for an upgrade at right tackle, I think it's something they need to do between now and this start of the season. And and Parnell and Barksdale would be my two options. I'm not totally sure if, if Michael Remmers would do that. Yeah, yeah. The Giants do have those connections with him, and that has counted for a lot in their decision-making process through the last, I, I don't know, 15, 16 months basically since the end of the 2017 season. Yeah, yeah, there's been a, a lot of a lot of Shermer connections, a lot of uh, Gettleman connections this offseason. There were a lot of Betcher connections. So that's kind of how the Giants have, have built a significant portion of this roster. So you know, we'll see how that goes. And the one thing we'll probably agree with Dave Gettleman on is, is how important the offensive line can be. Uh, I was just listening to Bill Barnwell podcast and he had Brian Burke on of ESPN stats and info. He's one of, you know, the, the first guys in, in really football analytics. And he's talking about their, their pass block win rate that ESPN really created and put public this year and talked about how uh, on a week to week basis, that pass block win rate was more consistent from week to week than pass rush win rate. So having good offensive tackles was more in your control and your ability to pass block was more about being good and pass rush win rate was more about who you were playing. So that was about the opposing offensive line. And we kind of saw that a lot last year. Uh, the Giants did struggle to to pass block. And when they were against good defensive lines, they struggled to pass block. And that showed up even more. So we'll see how that continued to plays out. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. And on the flip side of that, the defensive line and edge specifically, I think, is still a position that the Giants probably are still the weakest at, even though they've thrown a whole bunch of darts at it. I wrote uh, a defensive kind of just overview of what the roster is and might look like last week for BigBlueView.com. And 
I think the, the one thing we can see is there's no number one edge rusher. And that might be good. That might not be. Uh, but there's going to be a, a consistent rotation because between you know Marcus Golden, O'Shane Zimenez, uh, Lorenzo Carter, and Kareem Martin, no one really stands out in that group. I think they can all bring different things. But no one is really going to be someone the opposing offense needs to game plan for. So... I think maybe maybe that rotation uh, can be good because they'll all be fresh and they can do different things and and be inserted in different situations. But just overall, you're not going to have that one guy who is just going to take over and make things easier for the other players. And you know, at, at this point in the off season, even the guys we're going to talk about as possible players to add into that rotation, those aren't going to be available either. So even the edge guys we're going to talk about now are just going to be guys who could just be useful parts of of a defensive rotation and just add maybe a little bit more upside to just add to that group. Yeah, personally, I think just looking at the group the Giants have, and even with one of these free agents... I think their pass rush is basically going to have to come from James Betcher's blitz packages. They have invested a ton of resources into their cornerback position. Before the draft even started, they had spent a third-round pick on Sam Beal. Basically spent three picks in selecting DeAndre Baker. They used a fourth-round pick on Julian Love, and then another day three pick on Corey Ballantyne. So that is just a ton of draft capital. So they more or less need these guys to pay off in both their pass coverage and, as an extension of that, their pass rush. I have a feeling they're going to want to play coverage on the back end particularly man coverage, and then just send blitzers from everywhere and anywhere to try to make up for the fact that they just do not have that ace or looking at the best defenses, aces, who can just go and, to use the baseball analogy, get the strikeouts when you need them. Yeah, that's kind of what the James Betcher defense was in... Arizona. I mean, they had you know, Chandler Jones and Calais Campbell at one point, but it was a lot of, of blitzing. And, you know, that's where a lot of the pressure came from. And I think that might be a part of what happens this year. Uh, I think you might get Alec Ogletree blitzing a little more. And that's one of the parts of the game where he is you know, pretty good. But when, when you look at the group of edge rushers, it doesn't stand out as a great group. I think individually, I like all of these guys. Lorenzo Carter is super athletic. He was still learning to be an edge rusher last year. Started to catch on a little bit. I would like to see some more development there. We already talked about Zimenez. I I like him as someone who is a pretty refined pass rusher um, and should be able to get his hand use and things to translate. You know, Marcus Golden has been good in the past and under Betcher with a, a full season of health should be able to have a decent amount of, of pressure created. Uh, and then Kareem Martin was 
another player not to the extent of Olivier Vernon, but was much better in pressure than he was in sack rate. And that usually is going to translate to future sacks. So, you know, of those top four guys, I I like them individually. As a group, they still kind of leave a little bit left to be desired. And there's potential to possibly add to that group, but I mean, the, even the names we're going to throw out right now don't inspire a lot of confidence, although maybe there's a useful piece. I think the first guy I'm going to throw out is really a guy that hasn't been talked about at all, and that's Matt Longacre. He was part of the Rams. He was a starter last year, and kind of in a similar sense to the Giants, where there wasn't a lot of work done, or at least work done to get in a high-caliber edge rusher, so he just kind of was a starter at outside linebacker for them. He only had 112 rushes because once they got Dante Fowler, he was a healthy scratch sometimes, but he was fairly productive when he was on the field. A 12.5% of pressure rate, which was the 25th among edge rushers with at least 100 rushes, and that was there were 153 of them. So he was fairly good when he was on the field. That didn't translate into sacks, but again, like we said, good pressure rate is going to turn into future sack rate, even if it didn't in the past season. So I would absolutely bet more on a guy with a high pressure rate and a low sack rate than a guy with the opposite, a guy who had a lot of sacks, but was just kind of average in pressure. And I think Longacre is only going to be 28 in September. So I think he could be a useful piece to add to that defense. Yeah, that's kind of a under the radar signing and the sort of thing that Dave Gettleman has done well with in the past is finding players who might be not really well known, not really, I don't want to say appreciated, but just overlooked that could have a role and could contribute. The other guys on the list, you know, that really stand out, you know, Shane Ray obviously is a pretty recent first round pick. He was a fantastic pass rusher at Missouri. You know, he has experience in a similar style of defense as the Giants play, just as a pass rushing edge in a multiple front defense. Problem is he has also dealt with a lot of injuries. <laughs> in fact, even going back to the draft. Yeah, I think my my biggest problem with him, and he's someone who I think has been mentioned as a possibility, is one, he hasn't been healthy, and two, he hasn't been good. And those two things probably go hand in hand. Yeah, those are slightly important, but last year just a 7.03 pressure rate which was 125th among those 153 linebackers or defensive ends. And that was just on 128 rushes. So he didn't have a lot of snaps. He didn't have a lot of pressure. And so that's, I mean, he's only going to be 26, I guess, if you want to say there's still maybe potential untapped upside there. Maybe, but a lot of guys, you, you would see it by now, but he hasn't been there. I think that's the same thing for some of these other guys like Nick Perry is is another name that's been brought up. He's, you know, dealt with some injuries. He only had 147 rushes last year, 9.52% pressure rate. That was 70th uh, among those edge rushers. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit there, but 
really not a lot. I think one name I'd like to see brought up, and again, it's a name that's not going to really inspire a lot of confidence, but Deion Jordan, only 29. He's a former first-round pick. He had 185 rushes last year, an 11.35% pressure rate, which was 41st. And he's played that outside linebacker. He he can play a little bit of that, and he's someone who has eventually grown into you know a useful player. He's not a you know, former number three overall pick. He doesn't bring that type of production, but... I think he was he was very useful in Seattle last year, and I think he could play a similar role as a situational pass rusher, and that's all the Giants have right now are these situational pass rushers. So if you get guys who are good at that, and we're not sure if like how many of the guys currently on the Giants roster are going to continue to be good at that. So I, I think he is also another under-the-radar option that could make some sense. Yeah, and at least at one point, especially coming out of Oregon in the draft, he was a very similar prospect to Lorenzo Carter, just as a long, bendy, super athletic edge. And especially, you know, coming out in 2013, the edge position as we now understand it was really only just starting to emerge. Yeah, that's right. And I think as we've you know seen Jordan... You know, in the in the latter years of his career so far, and again, he's still only going to be 29 this season, was able to create some pressure. He was a big part of that Seattle defense last year. And again, none of these guys have rushed over 200 times last season, but, you know, if you're adding them into a big group of edge rushers, they might not have to do that this season. So if you can even get that great production in, in a small sample, then, you know, fine. If you would expect their pressure rate to possibly drop as their snaps go up, this isn't a situation where their snaps are probably going to go up a lot. So just getting veteran guys in here is probably going to be a good thing if you just want to mix and match the type of players you want to put out on the field yeah and you know just one more name and again going back to the theme of the giants have really time and again gone back to the well of players they know would be wes horton who was signed by dave gettleman as an undrafted free agent all the way back in 2013 he has started games for the Panthers. He has been not super productive, but just as a rotational player, he's able to add at least a few sacks, a few tackles for loss, few quarterback hits, that sort of thing, which, again, at this point is kind of the best the Giants can hope for. He had 236 pass rush snaps last year, only a 7.63% pressure rate which was 115th that's you know not great but like you said there is the the Gettleman connection so that's possible uh, I think the other guys we talked about are probably you know slightly higher upside who are around the same age I think bring a little more to the field than than Horton does so I mean those are guys I, I would prefer but 
you know, who knows? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is you know, at least one more guy added to this edge rusher group. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if there is a veteran brought in at right tackle. It's most likely going to be Mike Remmers just because of you know, the connections and all the talk that has happened to this point. And as you look at the Giants roster right now, what they have, I mean, I, I still don't think it's a great roster that that's probably going to win a lot of games, but the the biggest holes still, you can see that they've try, at least tried to upgrade some other places to not have as big of holes as they did last year. You could maybe not be inspired by like the Antoine Bethea signing. That happens to be, I think, my favorite signing the Giants did this offseason. I like Antoine Bethea quite a bit, but you can see if he's going to be playing that deep safety, he is significantly better than Curtis Riley. So uh, there were places where the Giants, you know, try to shore up. But you look at right tackle and you look at edge, and those are still the two biggest holes on this roster. And the ones that are probably going to need to be fixed if this roster wants to be competitive this year. Like we said, I mean, edge, they can probably, you know, figure some things out, especially if the coverage is better. And with the blitz packages that James Betcher could use, you could manufacture some pressure. I think right tackle still remains the biggest concern because there's only so much you can do to protect a tackle. And like I said, that's either, you know, keeping a tight end in, keeping a running back in, that takes away from potential receiving options. So that is limiting your offense. So I can still consider right tackle to be a major need. Edge could definitely be improved, but right tackle is definitely something that that needs to be worked on before the season starts. Yeah, and you know, just as we saw, the the options are not great. Yeah, unless Chad Wheeler has been putting in some absolutely ridiculous work with great coaching that we don't know about they're probably going to want to look at their options. Yeah, you would think so. And, you know, after an off-season of, of work, it's, it's still, I think, one of the biggest questions going forward. And you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe there is something to be done for that. But we're going to end this show here. You can rate and review if you have not. It helps us out greatly. You can follow our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. You can follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dampazuda. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.